Ralph Emerson once said, "Do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail." Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist. I'm excited for my new episode on the series Across the Border and this time we're going to travel all the way to United Kingdom. Our guest for today is a dear friend and a mentor who has been with me in the same college of optometry back in India. She started her journey in optometry in 2006 then went ahead and pursued her optometry in United Kingdom as well. I'm really excited to learn more about her journey and her experiences. Thank you Jamila for being part of this podcast and welcome. Hi. Hello everybody. So Jamila tell me this is one question I ask everyone. How did you bump into this field of optometry? So optometry actually uh, I shouldn't say this after so many years in optometry but it happened by accident. So I was very passionate since childhood to be a doctor. You know as any normal mm-hmm. Indian family is, you know, so they either want their kids to be doctors or engineers. So I wanted to be a doctor but uh, obviously I didn't score number of marks he needed to enter into medical colleges um and i didn't want to waste a year and one of my friend was whose mum used to work with an optometrist in india so she mm-hmm. recommended that you know the flexibility of an optometrist especially for a girl so you know it's a very flexible profession right. that we are in fortunately you know um so that's why right. i got into optometry and to be honest as years pass by i am very proud that i chose optometry as a career so yeah yes i think everyone has a very similar story of accidentally bumping into this wonderful profession and then just falling in love with the kind of uh, things we can do in this uh, field of optometry so i completely can relate to that now how was your journey when practicing or studying optometry in united kingdom can you tell me a little bit about that okay so i studied optometry like uh, like you're all aware uh, i studied optometry in india and uh, i studied optometry in uk again because of the way it is practiced um it's it's mm-hmm. in india generally we work we do the refraction bit generally generically we do right again it depends on where you're practicing so if you're practicing with an ophthalmologist then right you are doing more diagnostic tests and uh, if you're working in an optical outlet in india you're doing more refraction right. and contact lenses and you know cataractrophor whereas over here in india, in the uk it is you know you are the first person of contact right in terms of where eyes are concerned so um i had to either produce a logbook mm-hmm. which showed my competence which we are we are very much very tra- well trained to produ- you know be able to fulfill the logbook but obviously i did not have enough time to produce that because uh, right. by the time i qualified in india and by the time i had come to uk it was very short time for me to you know produce all the evidence of my competence because that's the requirement of the college of optometrists which we will discuss later on in the podcast right um as to how i went through uh, studying optometry here but um, when i talk about logbook is logbook we everybody you know whenever we are studying optometry in india as well it's like the number of cases and stuff that we do this is not the number of cases we do this is the number of so there is an optical body which maintains the standards that they want the optometrists to be able to practice and or know about it you know 
Uh, there are, I think, 72 competencies that they have. And every competency, mm-hmm. they not just test you on it. They see, you know, they have assessors which c- come and see you working in practice. So that's why it was quite a bit of things that I needed to show and I couldn't show it. So um, I had to come here and study again. So I did my degree again. So technically I did the study bit again here. And I'm glad I did because uh, it not just gave me the insight of how mm-hmm. optometry is you know, practiced here, but also it, I think it helped me fit into the lifestyle of uh, British people, you know, because... Uh, we live in a very different culture and very different community in India. Whereas in the UK, right. um, because our profession is the first touch, we, you, you have to interact with people. So if you don't get right. what people are talking or what they mean, you will lose a lot of, uh, you know, the client trust because they depend on you, on your advice. So Right. It's all about fitting in the correct culture in and understanding the mindset, especially when you're working with the patients. Yes. So it, it was all good, I would say. That's wonderful. So I tell me a little bit about uh, how is the practice different in UK versus India? I do know we did, you know, briefly spoke about this. So I want to go back to that question and understand how has been optometry practice in India versus optometry practice in UK for you? So over here, um, again, we do not have the right to say that this person has a particular condition. Say, for instance, because mm-hmm. it's a more Caucasian people population here, you do see a lot of, uh, you know, sight-threatening conditions like macular degeneration. Uh, we cannot say that it's confirmed, but over here, I am the first person, probably I am the person who can pick it up and refer the person to the nearest hospital or nearest eye care. Um, so mm-hmm. that is a good thing that you are allowed or you are the first person to pick up. Whereas in India, you don't have that. You know, you cannot sign off anything, right. as we always say. So that is one good thing that your work is recognized. Your work is valued. Because a lot of time, if you're if you're right. if you're coming across an emergency, so say for instance, if I saw a retinal detachment, a patient can be completely asymptomatic, come for routineitis, and when you're doing ophthalmoscopy, you you like this person has a retinal detachment. So when I'm talking to refer this customer right. to the hospital. They will ask me how frequent, how urgent do you want to see this person? So in, in my head, it gives me the authority or it gives me the opportunity to take a decision right. as an optometrist that, you know, how I can save this person's life. And I feel that itself, it gives me the pride to say that, you know, it's very different than what we practice in India, that you are responsible right. uh, in a good way for, for your actions. And it gives you more authority to, um, practice and know what you are looking for. Right, right. Absolutely. But there's one thing which I would like to point out. I agree on this because we have a limitation in the scope of practice in optometry. But on the other hand, uh, we have a lot of patients that we see day in and out, which helps build our diagnostics back in India. So I feel that has been one of a core uh, common thread between I think majority of my guests as well, that the exposure of the patients that we see in India is huge. Do you think that has helped you, you know, get uh, become a better diagnostics and optometrist? Totally, totally, literally. I can say that uh, obviously because I studied optometry beforehand. So my my 
level of understanding of the matter was very different. Right. I'm talking at the university level compared to the other fellow students. But at the same time, even when you're seeing, because you have seen so many normal and so many abnormal patients in the f- four mm-hmm. years of optometry when you practice in India, that everything otherwise you can clearly pick up. So I would say that uh, I was very glad that I had the exposure. So even um, like I remember we went for, we attended when I was in uh, India, one of my postings, I was about, I, I could mm. see uh, evisceration, right. which I got to see, you know, because the hospital we were trained in had an eye bank. So wonderful yeah not everyone had that uh, exposure or experience right yeah so a lot of time i have actually told a lot of my uh, fellow students that you know i have seen this um, and plus now even now i think the biggest thing you get to you get to see is how you can tell the patient because you've seen so many normals and so many abnormals in your time mm-hmm. that uh, when i came here even at a university level i could tell the customer that you know what is normal and what is not right and explain it much more in detail so yeah that first hand uh, you know practice in India helped us a lot especially to me I mean I'm glad that I could see those abnormal conditions to be able to appreciate normal stuff absolutely now tell me that with, with this transition as you mentioned you know how things are more therapeutic and diagnostic based in UK versus in India we practice more on say specialty contact lenses binocular vision therapy and on those grounds at India what were your major barriers or limitations when you had to do this transition um i'd say i i didn't have that many barriers as such because i trained according to the protocol here mm-hmm. so i didn't have a lot of barriers as such because luckily for um, you know in term, the only barrier would have been would be the grades and everything because uh, optometry requires a lot of higher grades here so based on your 12th grades you need to be on band a which i'm not sure how it works out um, mm-hmm. but uh, that would have been the biggest barrier if i didn't have good uh, good marks in terms of my hsc and ssc mark sheet but i didn't really need to use that because i had studied optometry in india mm-hmm. so that could have been a potential barrier mm-hmm. um, in terms of practicing things and stuff because I studied at a university level and it wasn't that I had come from India and just directly got into Practice. uh, practicing yeah. it. So if anybody's ever considering moving here, uh, there is another alternative that you can do. It's called the conversion course. That means, so you practice as a dispensing optician for a few years. Mm-hmm. Then because you've uh, practiced as a dispensing optician, you can then transfer onto optometry. Uh, which they do like a short course for 18 months. And then you have to do a year of internship and then you can practice as an optometrist. But actually that works out to be a much, much longer process than, you know, um, this three-year course does. Got it. So I was actually going to ask you about this, but you rightly mentioned that it is a three-year course versus someone thinking, let me just go into becoming a dispensing optician and, then go that route of 18 yeah. months. Now talking about yeah. first a part of uh, the discussion, which we are like, tell me a little more about the life in in your university, the school, when you're spending that three years, how is the life and education system there? So uh, 
this one thing which i found very weird was the, the students here are very laid back mm-hmm. so you know like how in india we are like very competitive people here are not competitive at all like nobody attends lectures nobody is worried about deadlines um and uh, you know what we write, we do a lot of you know we write essays right. in india whereas um, over here people are very even though they have the time in the world but they will always write in bullet points mm. so i i felt that i was like too overworked up as a student compared to the other students they were like chilled out i used to spend a lot of time in the library right and i was like i actually know my matter it's not that i don't know my stuff you know? <laughs> and i used to spend so much time but that was my first year so first year because i was trying to find my feet in the place right so i think i lost a lot of that time in finding my face feet in the place but when second year starts as as we do it in india as well so second year is a bit of clinics right as well as you have um, your second year is actually the toughest year of university i would say because you do a lot of your uh, equipments and you know you do a lot of the tests and all that so it's a lot of information that you take in second year because you will be applying that in third year mm. but second year i think because you interact a lot with your fellow students i enjoyed it the most because i got to know a lot more about the culture and obviously university life here is very different mm. compared to what we do in india so in india we actually we work really hard as students whereas over here it was much more chilled out oh. um so it was good in that sense and third year was very hectic because you have lectures in the evening but you have clinics in the morning mm. um but uh, you get to see a lot of clinics because they the clinics that they run at that time are people who actually have conditions and they are on the you know on the worst side of the conditions so right. the, it's a good exposure to see people and you know really see member of public because that's when you realize that okay it's very different than what we practice here absolutely i think i this is something which even i had experienced when i was pursuing my mba here in united states that because we are so competitive and prepped to always be on top of a game when we are studying any any education back in india i feel indian yeah. students definitely if they put in the same hard work you can definitely excel yeah. in whichever country or whichever path you choose so i definitely yeah. uh, can relate to that yeah, yeah, yeah. now talking about the culture and experience you had in college but now you have been practicing as an optometrist in the united kingdom can you share a little more about you know that experience in terms of practicing right practicing is very um, so there are a lot of different ways you can practice optometry here i will talk on what i used to so when i finished my internship because that is important the internship year you get uh, you are you are assessed like i mentioned earlier assessed a lot about the competencies that you know the optical council has over here mm-hmm. so um, you get that done so once that is out of the way everything's good because you earn much more than what you were getting paid so you 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 start enjoying life and uh, it's a very good thing because uh, you want to work more because you see things changing so the whole perspective so when i started uh, after i qualified i started as a full time resident optometrist um, so where you work because of the laws here you work 5 days a week you are practicing optometry so you approximately you see 20 patients a day 20 oh. minute testing time um so you, what you do is i'll i'll just go through a normal optometric routine that we do so you take yes please so you do history taking so basically when the customer comes in you know the 
there's a support staff which is there outside so they do all the pre screening and everything so pre screening includes fundus photography it includes uh, refra- mm-hmm. uh, you know the auto refractor down and pressure test done mm-hmm. a new thing mm-hmm. that they've introduced recently especially in the company where i work you know it's called spec savers uh, so they are very big on terms of i care so yeah so comprehensive i care yeah. so uh, they expect right. us to know or interpret oct so they offer it to customers if they want to get it done then they get that done so that is a whole package that comes into your room so you ask the patient to come in um, you do the history taking you've seen all the results previously so you know what is going on um, then once the history right. is done then you do to the refraction bit it takes you 5 minutes because they have four optometrists here so you you basically you're sat as an optometrist you hardly move from your chair which is a good thing and um, <laughs> then you do the fundus assessment and uh, the health check basically and you go through the oct and i think that is a very good thing because you can get the opportunity to show the test and explain the test to the customer and um, right. you know they themselves have seen okay you know because a lot of time when so, some people you know some people who have regular hospital appointments with their eye conditions right because the ophthalmologist mm-hmm. is so busy themselves they don't get the opportunity to show them any results so you know kind of backtrack what is going right. what was going on and what's going on whereas for us because right. they believe we have all the time in the world to explain and show them so they feel relieved so you you are not just treating right. the condition you're rather treating the patient's mental security so which is a very sad, very good thing that we get to do here and um, right. once that is done then depending on what the outcome of the sighters is then you expect the you know you show the customers where the glass spectacles are and or contact lenses you go so yeah so that's a resident i mean you can do that or you could become a contact lens optician as well but then contact lens optician is too boring because you just doing contact lenses you're not doing anything else with that so i have a question for you uh, so you know how you mentioned you working with spec savers which uh, correct me if i'm wrong is an optical setup which do offer a comprehensive eye eye care as well with the optometrist on board correct yeah so how how do the other optometrists practice do they practice independently as well with the doctors or it has to be with in conjunction with optical outlets so what are the like different mode of practice an optometrist can do in united kingdom right so there there's one which is resident optometry which i do the other one is locum optometrist so locums are so right now i'm practicing as a locum so locum are people who generally they cover for people who are on holidays so uh, right so you're working during the holiday season or you know when people are sick or anything like that so that's when they're generally working so locums are when working when they please or freelancing if you can call it right um the other uh, optometrists are hospital optometrists so these people are like how we optometrists in india work under ophthalmologists but they mm-hmm. themselves have a different setup like they have a say, there are different cl- clinical areas as well so macular optometrists then there are cataract specialists there are the orthoptics uh, area which they have then they have mm-hmm. pediatric optometrists as well so they have different job roles as well those people they they take hospital optometry as you know as they career so when they start doing the pre-reg they do their pre-reg in a hospital setup so then at that time they can decide what you know what sub optometric field they want to go into uh, got it so that is another um, another field which people go for the third was one is domiciliary so what that is is like you 
going to test people who are bedridden. So do you go to their houses mm. to test their eyes? And that is one of the new fields which is getting quite a momentum these days because um, a lot of elderly people live in the UK as well. So mm-hmm. it is kind of something which they are kind of promoting and pushing things a lot. So that is one of those things. That, um, and the other ones are more, uh, you know, qualifying courses uh, after after you've qualified as an optometrist. So you can do independent prescribing. So that's which allows you to do prescribing medicines, you know, because over here as well, we can't really prescribe medicines uh, as such because you're mm-hmm. not trained pharmaceutically to be able to do that. Uh, I think a lot of uh, other optometrists in um, Australia can do it because their course of, uh, the optometric course there is different. Right. So they are trained. Um, whereas over here, we can't prescribe any medications as such. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, yeah, also for uh, optometrist who wants to prescribe therapeutics in Australia, I I did have another episode which I covered for this uh yeah. For Australian optometry, they did mention even they have to go and take a course on therapeutics to be eligible to, you know, prescribe medications. So, yes, I think uh, there are those options available where you can specialize in whichever field you want to excel and grow into and then practice accordingly. So that one is independent prescribing. And then the other one, uh, retina specialist, because of the OCT being gaining so much of momentum. A lot of opt- optometrists, you know, as a, mm-hmm. because you get bored doing the same thing, you know, you don't want to be doing that get better with right. one or two and or two. So this is something which they study and you can, you know, give more enhanced eye care uh, to the customers at a primary level. Because what is happening is uh, right. previously optometrists couldn't do a lot of things. So there were a lot of people going into the hospital setup and using a lot of hospital time. You know, because they over their general mm. protocol is a dilate patient. So the patient is that for good two hours till from the time that person enters the hospital to the time they are seen and right. come back home. So in this sense, uh, we are cutting down a lot of the costs which are incurred onto the you know on the hospital services. So which is good, mm-hmm. and it's good. You know, you want right. to be succeeding forward and moving forward. You don't want to be just doing the same stagnant job all day, right? Right, absolutely. No, I think it's a very interesting uh, blend of to you know cut down and create more efficient workflow versus people directly going to the hospitals and staying there for two hours. I'm sure this is a global uh, issue where we do not have enough optometrist or ophthalmologist versus the demand that is there uh, from the patient side. So I feel this is a very good way how UK is approaching it, giving yeah. you so many options to specialize and help you know uh, take care of the problem at the initial level and stream down and take away the burden from the ophthalmologist. Now, I have another question for you because I know you went there after you got married and you did not initially plan to go to, you know, study there. But for students or people who want to go just get themselves educated in UK and then pursue optometry, what are the visa limitations or uh, how do they need to apply if you have any idea on those grounds? So I came on a spouse visa here. So what I might say is very different than what people who are just pursuing it as a career would do it right right so generally if i am not mistaken if you're coming to work here a study here you are allowed because because they are very flexible in that sense over here that they want people to be able to support themselves right so they i if i'm not mistaken it is 20 hours work you know per week they give you 20 hours allowance of working because that much money hopefully should be enough for you to 
kind of have a money to use in hand so right so a lot of people take jobs in universities itself so like you know um in the bars or you know as in um, library right. staff because you you're not studying all the time you know and uh, the first year is right. not that busy because if you've done optometry so for me my case, in my case because i had done whole of optometry right i was exempt from a right. lot of modules which i had to do so like i didn't do all the basic modules like you know geometrical optics and physiological optics those kind of equivalent modules i didn't have to do um so that was the nice. work timings in terms of visa i think it's a it's a student visa that you get and uh, it is um, you mm-hmm. get it through via the university that they help you out with that so if you're initially applying you apply via ucas because ucas is like you know uh, it's mm-hmm. like an open lottery thing that you know you select your best five options of colleges or sorry universities and um, then the university offers you mm-hmm. and then you go according to that um, and then they give you so that's how they pass but i think when you're coming from india it would be better idea to apply through one of these you know uh, these educate the, i don't know what they call so there are a lot of uh, companies which help you to find uh, you know abroad studying uh, visas and stuff as well uh, i might right. i'm very i'm sorry i'm not very good with that uh, because uh, my situation was completely different when i came here yeah but um, a lot of uh, support you get through the there are a lot of consulting yeah there are a lot yes, of consulting yes. firms which help you get the right colleges yeah but i think there are like seven universities who they who teach optometry here so it is not a lot of universities that you have to think to and i would be happy to help anybody who is looking into getting into here um in terms of that's the only thing you can do you can't do masters here. you can't do masters here but it doesn't have a weightage as it would have as a masters of any other you know any other profession because the thing is there is no difference of a masters optometrist and a bsc optometrist in terms of pay package because at the end of it it all comes down to money right. what benefit you get right so right but obviously whatever money you earning in india compared to what you earn here is is there is quite a lot of difference and the respect of the profession is also because people are very very aware over here about the role of an optometrist in mm-hmm. eye care compared to you know you are always treated as an optician you know where you just right. testing eye, you know getting glasses but as over here they like oh no let me if i've got an itch in my eye let me go show it to my you know optician she advised me right right is there any talking again more about visa i'm not sure if you know if you can answer this but uh, is there any visa issue once you graduate like when you want to start practicing as an optometrist in united kingdom do you have to apply for any work visa because in united states you need someone to file yeah. for your work permit only then you can pursue is there something yes, similar so, back uh, there so as there well there are two important bodies when you're considering uh, studying optometry or pursuing optometry as a career here one is the general optical council mm-hmm. so the general optical council is for the is a body which deals with the of op- the optical matters and which is for the public whereas there is another mm-hmm. college of optometrists body which which generally you know 
takes care of all our study, education, and you know, find kind of finding you places to work, giving you future guidances and all that uh, after you qualify as well, and conducting all these other um, courses and everything. So, the College of Optometrists is the one which gives you the issues the visa or you know supports for the visas as well. So once you once you've oh. done your university then you have to get a pre-reg year. So the pre-reg year is the internship year and you have to find it yourself over here. Mm-hmm. You don't, get, nobody finds a fee. So the college or the uh, university is not responsible for finding you a job. You have to do that once you are in the second or third year because you need that because mm-hmm. uh, once you have finished that one year, then you apply for your uh, work permit or work visa. So how that mm-hmm. works is once that is done, your company, whoever you're working for, because if you're working, um, wanting to work here, you will need to be fully employed. You'll have to show some form of interest. So I think a lot of uh, companies do pay for, to you know, your supporting visa kind of thing um, for your work visa. And mm-hmm. uh, they ha- I think at least the minimum they want you to work for them three days a week. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, oh. because that's the contract it, which they, that's the terms and conditions in terms of work visa as well, that whoever has been employed by these people, they at least need to work there for three three to four days in per week. So I think that's a, a rough idea I have uh, because a lot of Canadian students do that. So right. how, how it's out of the blue moon, but a lot of people from Canada who've done diploma in, dispensing optics optics they come here they do the whole optometry mm-hmm. course and then they work here for three years so that's when they apply for this work visa and everything because they need to work in a country where they've studied for at least three years before they can apply to be able to convert in and work there in canada so oh. we have a lot of canadian students and a lot of indian students as well you'd be surprised as to how many people do do the conversion course so that's the visa visa way i think uh, and a lot of information you can actually find on in terms of um you know what you need for the logbook so you can directly come and practice here as well so a lot of people have uh who have worked for four to five uh, years in india they can directly apply as well not they don't need to follow the path i chose to because they hopefully should have a lot oh. of evidence to prove their competence to the you know the, the right. college of optometrists saying that you know we can do that because what if you have met majority of it what they expect you to do is you come here work in an optical outlet and try and get those other competencies done which you haven't managed to get it done in your logbook so whatever records you're showing them right. so that is another alternative um I think it's called the non-EU uh, route of applying to get a re- to be registered as a practicing optometrist here. So I, all that information is pretty pretty self-explanatory in terms of um, on the website of College of Optometrists. So if you go onto College of Optometrists UK, it gives you a lot of elaborate information mm-hmm. in terms of your visas, in terms of what you can choose because you. You can come and practice from anywhere else, but it's just you have to meet all the other demands of working, uh, being able to work in. They have a set, a box of 
competencies that they want you to be able to fill in. I think if you fill that fit into all of that, then they are happy to give you the chance to work here. That is so, oh. and they actually love people who've got a lot of experience over here because uh, it shows it's helpful for them because you are you've got more hands-on practice in terms of seeing and nurturing people, right? right. So yeah, right. Absolutely. I think this is the great information. Thank you for sharing it because sometimes people would be having that feeling that, oh, I don't want to go back and study for so many two years, three yeah, years yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Is there an alternative option? Yeah. And, you know, this is something you have just hit the nail correctly that these are the things just go on the website and, you know, they can. Yeah, because a lot of people like, you know, a lot of, uh, I think when I was studying, there was this guy who was from Pakistan. Mm-hmm. He had done a tech course so lab tech so he did an equivalent for dispensing optician so he had to do a year of dispensing optician but because he had worked for so many years he then did a try a two-year course of conversion course to optometry wonderful um, and then he was practicing as an optometrist so yeah there are a lot of ways and things that you can work and in fact it is a very different way if anybody wants to really pursue optometry here it's pretty nice in it as an experience thank you so much for sharing that i think this is something which we all really might have as a fear how different the culture would be will i be able to fit into that difference in the culture and practice but your a positive uh, feedback and the way you have shared your journey i think it's really giving a lot of positive feedback for anyone who's planning or to pursue or who's already there but is confused how should they you know restart the career should let's look into these options and then you know just go ahead and practice up in the best way possible so thank you so much Jamila for sharing that Uh, one last question before we end this episode is if you would like to share one tip one takeaway message based on your entire experience in the field of optometry what would it be Um, one tip or one thing which I always remember when I you know whenever I go to my day of work is I want to serve sight, you know, I want to save sight because if you, if the world can see the right things, they can do the right thing. So you do your right thing because you are seeing the right thing. So um, I think that's one message which I want to say, because right now, the way the crises are in the world, just see and the right and positive things around you rather than, you know, worrying about the negative. Um, So, yeah, because we always deal with positive and negative lenses to make sure you always push the most positive and the least negative. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I really like your analogy of, you know, using your optometry into the real life. So thank you so much, Amila. I think I'm an optometrist. (laughs) So I think... (laughs) I have all nerdy optometrists as my guests. So I'm so proud that you are a nerd as well. So welcome to the gang. No, it's my pleasure to share my experience to your listeners and I hope it can help and benefit at least one person, if not many. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, and I will definitely be sharing all your information in your LinkedIn account so they can approach you if they have any further questions. Thank you so much for being yeah. such an amazing guest, Jamila. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And good luck to everybody listening to you. Thank you. Thank you.